Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Today, we'll be talking to Alex Kugelman. Alex is a frequent guest of the show. He is a tax controversy lawyer who specializes in cryptocurrency taxes over at Kugelman Law. And he's the perfect guy to talk to about the potential audits that could happen as a result of Kraken sending some user data to the IRS. Alex, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Al. A pleasure as always. Yeah, absolutely. And so can you give us a little bit of background about yourself in the crypto space? Sure. Yeah, I'm an attorney. I primarily practice in like tax compliance and controversy, which means, um, you know, helping people be in compliance with federal and state taxes. And then if there's an issue that arises, representing them and helping them um, deal with that. A large chunk of my clients uh, have a crypto component to it. Um, and I've been working with advising clients on cryptocurrency uh, issues since, you know, 2016, 2017, and, you know, regularly deal with, you know, people out of compliance as well as, you know, audits from the lowest levels to the highest levels. Yeah. So you're the perfect guy to have on today because we're going to be talking about Kraken and how they are basically going to be sending a lot of user data to the IRS. So I figured you're the perfect guy to talk to about this. Um, can you give us a little rundown on exactly what is going on with Kraken and the IRS? Sure. Yeah. So the, the IRS generally has power to summon information and data. And, and for you know most people, that might be they're in an audit and the IRS issues a summons to their bank accounts or other third parties to get data specific to that person. In this case, with Kraken and some other crypto platforms, the IRS has issued what's labeled a John Doe summons, which is more of a a request for information not specific to any one taxpayer, but information related to U.S. taxpayers, you know, on those platforms. Summons generally are nearly impossible to get um, a court to disagree with the IRS. Um, With Kraken, and I think with Coinbase, as another example, those platforms did bring proceedings to kind of quash the summons that ultimately ended with kind of defining a scope of information that would be provided. So not necessarily every U.S. taxpayer who uh, had an account at Kraken, but it's, it's kind of limited to people who met certain thresholds for activity. And that process played out in federal court, and now Kraken has notified you know, those account holders, and my understanding is that they've notified them by email, basically telling them that they're within the group of um, account holders, that certain transaction data will be provided to the IRS. And those parameters, uh, I believe they released that information. It was something like $20,000 worth of crypto, right? I, th- I think it was $20,000 of value in a year. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean taxable events of 20000 you know, a taxable event being, you know, either you exchange one cryptocurrency for another or or sold cryptocurrency for fiat. You know, I, I believe it's pulling in data like just transfers in and out. So yeah. there might be people who are, who had not a lot of taxable activity on Kraken itself, but just the, the activity had value of that. Yeah, that's going to cause a lot of uh, fun, frustrating headaches for people on the IRS. You know, if you've got a customer that just deposited their crypto into Kraken thinking it was a safe, trustworthy place and really didn't do any taxable activity. Now they're getting a letter from the IRS saying, hey, we know you had like 20K worth of activity. You owe us some money or you potentially owe us some money. That That's going to cause a pretty big headache for some people, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first off, I mean, obviously it's concerning. Everybody has certain notions about the IRS. Um, 
you know, when I, I've talked to a lot of people about this already and I talked to a lot of people, you know, about other platforms that got summons. And, and here's kind of my, my general take on it. I mean, number one, for the platforms that do go to the federal court, they're actually kind of throwing their account holders a bone because number one, it, it slows the process. It makes the, the fact that the summons was issued to the um, platform public knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then it also kind of gives, you know, they're they're notifying their account holders. So if you got that notice, you kind of know that you're you're part of the the set of data being turned over to the IRS. You know, the second thing is is the vast majority of IRS enforcement is civil in nature, which means assessing additional tax, maybe imposing penalties, and you know, and certainly interest if you owe tax or penalties. But that process, it's at its its starting point now, right? You know, you, you can imagine, I mean, Sal, you, you guys crunch these numbers. I mean, it, it's going to be a tremendous amount of data being provided to the IRS. Yeah. And, you know, if we look back at Coinbase, you know, that summons that the John Doe summons that was um, sent to them back in 17 and then eventually played out in 19, I believe. You know, the IRS a few months, maybe six months or so after getting the information, started directly contacting some of those account holders. And basically sent a series of letters, depending on, I guess, how the IRS evaluated the the materiality of the transactions. You know, some of the letters said, hey, dear taxpayer, you know, we just want to remind you, you have to report this as taxable income. Others asked, asked taxpayers to either amend returns or to, to sign under penalty of perjury that they had reported all their activity. And then a smaller group got referred to civil exam. Um, a few people... Uh, from my understanding, had some criminal investigation initiated. But my understanding, at least for you know the Western United States, is that there really haven't been any criminal prosecutions to, to date for income tax charges related to not reporting cryptocurrency. There have been some other criminal charges that are you know kind of broad, but usually there's some other issue of money laundering or some other illicit activity related to the crypto activity. Mm-hmm. So I, I say that for a couple of reasons. One is obtaining compliance, you know, going through and, you know, completing accounting and amending returns is the single best thing you can do to address this. But the second thing is, you know, people live with a lot of fear that the IRS is coming to their door. It's it's possible, but it's not very likely for most people, right? For most people who got this email, that's really not, not a likely outcome. So it's, this for, you know, if you got that email, I think the initial step is to confirm that you've reported all of your activity, not just Kraken, but all of your activity, mm-hmm. um, and then amend where that data is missing. Um, and, and that's really the single best thing that you can do. I think a lot of people will be relieved to hear that because, like you said, people have this image of like the IRS coming and knocking on their door. But in general, I mean, it seems like even if you have a lot of missing activity, they just want their money. The IRS just wants you to pay what you have to pay. They're not really trying to bust you if you just have regular crypto trading activity, even if maybe you didn't report it. They just want you to now pay that money, right? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think, I mean, number one, if anybody ever does knock on your door, you know, you want to decline to speak to them and certainly hire an attorney to kind of handle that communication. But again, for most people, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the IRS has taken uh, cryptocurrency transactions very seriously, and they really have ramped up um, enforcement in that area over the last couple of years. And they've 
they've tried to develop their own internal subject matter experts and um you know relied on some some third-party contractors to assist with some some blockchain analysis as well as accounting but at the end of the day the whole goal for anybody getting that letter is to avoid or reduce the chances of being audited for these years because the audits themselves are very involved the irs again improving its capability but is certainly not to the level that it probably needs to be which yeah. means that can lead to some very tough results and by amending ahead of time it doesn't foreclose the possibility of an audit or an exam but what it does show is that you know the taxpayer is trying to get in compliance and in, in the case of like you know this issue you know they've been notified by kraken if they didn't know they probably know now that these need to be reported and so it, it i think it demonstrates some good faith um that you're going through the process of of trying to get into compliance if in the event you do get audited yeah absolutely and, and you alluded to it just now and i alluded to it a little bit earlier you mentioned third-party vendors the irs is using and i mean you said it kind of politely that they might produce numbers that are a little bit scary but i've heard tales of those numbers not being entirely accurate you know, if you get a letter from the IRS saying you owe this much money, it might be within your best interest to talk to somebody like Kugelman or somebody at Kugelman's team to figure out if that's accurate, because these third-party vendors that they're using might not be 100% accurate. They're not infallible currently. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, and, and you would know this better than I would, but I mean, one of the issues with, I mean, number one, this Kraken summons is going back, I believe, to 2016, right? And for anybody who's been involved with crypto over that period, you know, generally, the quality of transaction ledgers and other records that platforms support now, you know, generally are far superior to what was available then, what was mm -hmm. provided by the platforms, right? So that means most people, even if they're on mainstream platforms, probably have some incomplete records, right? Mm -hmm. And certainly for people, which is, again, not unusual, you know, maybe use DeFi protocols or platforms or you know, other methods or means in either exchanging or acquiring crypto where there really are no records. And so I remember talking to a lot of people over the past five, six years who said, look, I've lost a wallet or there's no transaction records for, for this activity. Is the IRS going to, you know, assume that these, these are all taxable events? From my perspective, I thought that would was kind of unlikely. Right. Because, you know, if the IRS is determining income, they have to have some basis for it. What's actually played out with these contractors is that I don't know how good these contractors are, to mm -hmm. be honest with you, um, when it comes to the accounting. And I think that they basically take the data they have. They run it through a software. There are certain transactions that are very clear what the basis and the sale price is because it might be all contained within that single platform. But it's really the transfers, the sends and the receives and tracing back like, hey, I may have bought, you know, purchased or acquired this cryptocurrency X on one platform and then I sent it to a wallet and then I sent it to the second exchange and sold it there where the IRS might say, oh, well, the send out, we, we can't actually, we're not going to trace it from the original purchase into the new platform. So we're going to assume the send out is a taxable event. And then we're going to assume the deposit into the second platform is ordinary income, a taxable mm -hmm. event. Yeah. And that's really where most of these audits have gone to now, where 
the vast majority of your buys, sells, trades, however you want to put it, there's not a lot of disagreement on those. It's it's the inflation of income by the IRS because I just don't think that you know the 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 contractors are great, and I think that a lot of the revenue agents who you know conduct these exams or audits, they are not necessarily experienced enough to do the accounting themselves. So they're relying on these third parties and um, they're kind of requiring taxpayers to prove that they're not taxable events. And, and, and I think those are issues that will get resolved, you know, in tax court and U.S. district court down the line. But those aren't really resolved as of today. So that's why, you know, reducing your chances of an audit or an exam are really in your best interest, because at least you kind of control the reporting and you can prepare accounting that's consistent with the records as opposed to kind of providing the data to the IRS and then having to basically defend against what I think are unreasonable adjustments, you know, through the audit process. Yeah, incredibly unreasonable. And, you know, I'm always an advocate for people coming to your firm. I, you know, I've known you for a while. I think you guys run a great operation and you're a tax controversy lawyer in the crypto tax space. So it's a perfect fit for this kind of stuff. But if somebody is experiencing this, I mean, do they have any chance, and I I don't mean to be negative about this, but are people capable of handling these things sometimes on their own, or is it really always recommended to go to somebody like you or anybody just to help them with, to guide them through this? It's a great question. I get asked um, that a lot, and not necessarily just just with crypto, but just generally dealing with the IRS. Um, I think with respect to crypto, the very first thing is you have to have good accounting. Um, it's for the most part, it's an exercise in, you know, demonstrating the net income based off the underlying records. So anybody I ever talk to, whether they hire us for accounting and, you know, representation, or they're going to do it themselves, you know, I'm like, look, you need to go to Bitcoin.tax or some other, you know, no offense, but whatever, whatever accounting software works right. for, for you yeah. and at least know what kind of the numbers are, because there is a misconception, I think, with clients that, you know, especially right now, and the market's kind of coming back up, but they're like, look, I haven't really made any money in this. I've been trading and I maybe had like high points and, you know, a couple of years ago, but now I really don't have, you know, my, my current inventory is worth less than I ever, ever had. Right. That might be true, but that does not mean that there were not taxable events and taxable income in past years. Right. Yeah. And even, especially if you're trading like millions of dollars worth of proceeds and you have millions of dollars worth of proceeds, even if you end negative, that still doesn't necessarily mean from the data I've seen that you're not going to have capital gains. I mean, I deal with people asking about that all the time, you know, well, hey, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm broke at the end of the year. Why do I have capital gains? Well, yeah. For example, 21, if you were trading regularly throughout that year, as everything was, you know, skyrocketing, I mean, you had taxable income that year, right? And so the, I think the very first thing, and, and you know, kind of go back to your question is, in evaluating how to proceed in an audit, you know, you 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 need to understand the the, the individual or the, the client needs to understand. Hey, what what is the right number, right? It may be more than I even think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting that answer of generally where it should be, okay. With respect to dealing with an audit, and I tell this people to all my clients, so much of how audits play out is who is the person at the IRS, generally a revenue agent. And in crypto audits, they're supported by, the I mentioned earlier, what are called subject matter experts or SMEs. And so much depends on how those people are approaching the audit. You know, sometimes they can be very reasonable. Other times they can be 
you know, much more um, aggressive and they can really, uh, you know, view everything skeptically. And they may just, you know, at the end of the day, agree with whatever, whatever their SMEs or the contractors provide. So it's kind of hard to tell somebody whether they should hire somebody or do it themselves. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of a cost benefit analysis, right? You know, I mean, I think the other part of it too is that, you know, for, for people who haven't dealt with the IRS before, there are certain misconceptions, right, about what they need to do and don't need to do. I mean, I think the, I personally think the most important thing to do in a crypto exam is to make sure that you have as complete uh, underlying records as possible to have complete accounting and focus on that. At the same time, if somebody is unreasonable about the scope of the audit, you know, then not knowing how, you know, what are the correct parameters that, that the IRS can kind of need, that the IRS needs to stay inside, you know, can hurt people in an audit. Um, also too, a lot of revenue agents, they want to interview the underlying, you know, taxpayer. Um, and part of the reason for that is, you know, I mean, one, they want to kind of try to verify things, but two, if, if the auditor has a position that the taxpayer, you know, was trying to conceal income and not report it, they may be looking to assert bigger penalties and they might want to kind of catch taxpayers with inconsistent statements. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you know, Sal, I mean, it, this is hard work, right? And being a hundred percent certain on every transaction is just not really possible when you have, when you don't have data for every transaction, you have to draw reasonable conclusions and kind of represent that. Um, and another thing is that a lot of people, you know, we've never had a client who rec- remembers every single transaction or every coin they've ever owned or anything like that. A lot of times the data will kind of, you know, indicate things and that that will kind of trigger recollection of things that happen. But, we, you know, we're talking about a period now, 16 through 20 is what, three, four, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, right? That's yeah. a long time. And that's long a lot time. of activity. That's a so, lifetime for some people, man. Seven years. I mean, I, I probably can't remember what was going on seven years ago to be honest so yeah it's perfectly understandable that people would forget this stuff yeah yeah so i mean i th- I think it's it's definitely a cost benefit analysis for most people um on whether they they want to have a representative the other thing i would say that you know with respect to the representative i would really recommend if they do hire a representative that it is somebody who is experienced with crypto who understands it and they can explain it to the irs because you have to make go in with the assumption that whoever you're dealing with at the IRS, that they have a limited knowledge of mm-hmm. cryptocurrency and how the space actually works. And, you you know, part of, you know, it's, it's not just when we're involved, we're not just necessarily throwing up defensive measures or anything like that. A lot of it is just providing very clear information and answers, you know, and trying to get to some sort of agreement on what the correct um, taxable income is. So I, I have seen other times where people have had representatives that it's not worked out great for them and they might come to us, you know, midway through. And it's not because the representative is acting um, in bad faith or is not an intelligent person. They're just not experienced with crypto in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. It helps to have that team. And, you know, you're being modest. I think you're one of the best in the biz, man, honestly, when it comes to this kind of stuff. So on that note, I appreciate you sharing all this information with us and breaking down this information. You know, this is all new. This is November 2023. So all this stuff is kind of happening now. If you're listening and you received one of those letters and you need or an email and you need some help, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Alex? You can go to our website. It's kugelmanlaw.com, K-U-G-E-L-M-A-N-L-A-W.com, or 
you can give us a call 415-968-1780. Um, you know, we're in, uh, in California, but we, um, we, you know, if it's a federal audit, we can assist clients, um, you know, regardless of where they are with that federal audit. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again so much uh, for, for coming here, talking to us today, Alex. I appreciate it, man. Sal, as always, good to talk to you, man. And I uh, wish everybody listening the best here. Thanks, man. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. You can find out more information about today's guest by going to talk.bitcoin.tax. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could give us a positive review on whichever podcast platform you listen to the episode on. Don't forget, you can go to bitcoin.tax for any of your cryptocurrency tax calculation needs. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks again for listening.